Yeah, I was bullied pretty pretty badly. I think uh, elementary school, junior high school, bullied on the bus. Well, this is where I'm comfortable. Like, I'm comfortable on the stage. I can entertain people. And that's how it started. That's how I became an entertainer, for sure. I mean, I decided... Greg, I want to thank you for taking the time to be here. Um, how long have you known each other? Lance, I knew of you for a long time, but uh, <laughs> in a good way. You knew of but I, but I, I mean, I knew about Lance Lee because right, you were president of the American Club. That's right. That's right. But um, I think we've probably known each other fifteen years. About, about exactly. Um, yeah, I think quite so. a while. Because yeah. after the club opened. That's when we started. We almost did that concert together. Almost. Right. I tell you, there was a drop dead date. So I mean. Right. We almost. I, I, was, did. I was clear that we almost did it. But a couple years of ago, I was looking at YouTube, and I saw this amazing singer on YouTube, a Broadway singer. That's right. You told me about. Right. And then I thought, let's try to bring him to Japan. Right. And, and we said, were going to do that. And then I said, No. What about it? You sing. And I said, What about the people we know here? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I said, Let's do them. Why do we have to do someone we don't know personally? That's right. Exactly. But you did get to meet him while you were there, and he was so nice to you. That's what made you think you wanted to bring him over here. Yeah, he's amazing. His name is Norm Lewis. He right. was the first black phantom. Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. Yeah, he did a fantastic job. Oh, he's amazing. He's yeah. amazing. And he's he a good person. A he's a good person, too. Yes, exactly. Right. Where yes. were you born? I was born in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, which is about 90 minutes from Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a medium-sized town, around 70,000 people. Right. I grew up there. and uh, You have siblings? I do, yeah. I have an older brother who took over my father's business. Which was? Which was a cleaning business, actually. Cleaning and buildings. And he's still doing it, yeah, to this day. Cleaning buildings? Yeah, exactly. They have a business that cleans office buildings, exactly. Okay. And then my sister, uh, I was the youngest, and my sister also worked back there, is back in my hometown still. Mm. How many and, years between yeah. you and the older brother? Three years each. Yeah. So six years between you and your brother? Yeah, six years above me, and then th three years above me is my sister. And then I'm the youngest. And then we were all singers. We all grew up. My brother was a really great singer. And then my sister was a great singer. So it was just natural that I had to be a singer. What about your mother and father? Well, my father um, is interesting person, actually. He was uh, disinherited when he was um, in his 40s. And his family, he was come, kind of from a well-known family in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And they sent him to a little town called Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, to get him out of Minneapolis, basically. And that's where he met my mother, who was just 18. Uh, so there was a huge age gap between my father and my mother. Okay. And they were, he was working in a hospital, and she was working there as well. So my father, she married him. and then So I grew up with a tw like 24-year age gap of my two parents. But wait, wait. You said yeah. he was disinherited. Did he? Mm. Can you say what he did? did yeah, he was my. I grew up uh, in a household with a really with a uh, practicing alcoholic father. He was not a functioning alcoholic. My father, when he drank, uh, he drank. He was gone. You know, so we grew up in that kind of a household. So it was 
Um, my mom was amazing and my mom kept it all together. And one of the reasons they cleaned office buildings was because something we could do when my father disappeared because we'd all the kids would go to work, you know, oh, dad's gone, we go to work. And we did that yeah, at night. Oh, I'm saying, oh, so he's, but it was always his business. It was always uh, his and my mother's business, right. Okay. So I, I grew up as a child, you know, with that in the home. So I, I always tried to be like a really sort of, you know, nice kid at school, try to make kids, you know, like me because we had kind of a secret at home. Mm-hmm. And then growing up as a child, I was picked on as a kid, you know, because of my sexuality. And I was, I was, I was kind of bullied. What, what grades are you and talking about now? I was bullied, I mean, from elementary school up until junior high school. You remember, okay, so elementary, yeah. like, what, what, second grade, first? You know, I first remember being, <laughs> I'm not turning into, I don't want it to be a sob no, story. No, 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 no. But that's, it's just reality, because in Japan, we have a big problem with bullying. That's a big thing. And right. One of the and guys so, I just had on the podcast, right. Kinota, mm. wrote a book. About bullying. About bullying, and he gave a talk at the American Club. So yeah. you were bullied in school. Yeah, I was bullied pretty pretty badly. I think uh, elementary school, junior high school, bullied on the bus. And then I auditioned for a play in a senior, uh, it was uh, in ninth grade. And there was auditions for a play, and I thought I should try that. So, and I got cast as like the villain. Okay. And I really hemmed it up, and I we did it in the class auditorium, and suddenly it was like a wave change. You know, suddenly you cool. I realized you know I could act, and the audience, the kids who bullied me, everybody was laughing hysterically, and so I realized in that play in ninth grade. Oh, it's like probably a lot of theater kids because I was a theater kid, you know. Oh, oh, this is where I'm comfortable. Like I'm comfortable on the stage. I can entertain people. And that's how it started. That's how I became an entertainer for sure. I mean, I decided <laughs> in ninth grade. And then in high school, I was like the musical guy. And how? I had, a musical how? Um, auditioning for musical, being in musicals, so singing? singing, yeah. Okay, you didn't, do you play instruments? You um, play instruments? I, I don't play well, exactly. Okay. But um, uh, I was, you know, a good singer. Okay. So uh, my, my high school theater teacher, her name is Carol Saboda. She's still one of my Facebook friends. And she organized a trip to New York with, all, with us theater kids. And we, and we went to New York. It was the first time I ever went to New York City when I was, I think... 17. 17. Had you been outside of Wisconsin before? Oh, hardly at all, because my father was an alcoholic. So one of the things was we really couldn't go anywhere because there was a huge... (laughs) I mean, now it's laughable. At the time, it was dramatic. (laughs) We couldn't go anywhere because what if we went somewhere and then something happened and it upset my father and he drank, then we couldn't get home. And it it was... So we really... We really hadn't been hardly. By the way, anywhere. are your parents still around, both of them? Yeah, my my father passed away when I was twenty six, okay. when I was living in Hawaii, okay, right. and my mother, who's the real matriarch of our family, kept us all together, is doing really, really well. Oh, yeah, she's still beautiful. living alone. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, and in her nineties, in her, yeah, I just thankfully just went to go see her. Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, but so so I went to see I went to New York. The first show I ever saw was Pippin, Ben Vereen. You know, and he comes out on stage, join us. And I, I was like mesmerized. So when I was 17, I thought, this is what I'm doing. I'm 
I'm going to leave Eau Claire. I'm going to move to New York City. I'll, I'll, I'll become a Broadway actor, which is a story of a lot of theater kids. But when did you do it? But, but the people that haven't been in theater, they wouldn't know. So, oh, they wouldn't, I guess, so yeah. This is, so for you, this is yeah. unique. So this it's unique for a lot exactly. of people. Right. So when did you do it? When did you leave? So what I did was... Um, well, you, you, you graduated from high school. I graduated from high school, and my aunt and uncle, who had disinherited my father, made up with my father, and they felt guilty. So they said, we'll pay for your kids' tuition to any school. What, so what, kind what of a blessing! What kind of work did they do? Uh, interesting, yeah. My well, interesting to me. I don't know if it's interesting to the viewers. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> My uncle was the dean of speech and theater at Syracuse University. In fact, he taught a very famous newscaster, Ted Koppel. He was who knows Ted Koppel? Well, yeah, many years ago, but he yes. was yeah, and and actually, Ray Irwin was a very distinguished. Um, theater professor, my so, father's younger brother, okay. and then his younger sister. Um, they they um, received an inheritance from my grandfather, and they bought a hotel. So they had a hotel in Minneapolis, and they were hoteliers. So actually, um, yeah, that's how my cousin actually are became still, are a hotelier. Close, are you close with them? Well, are they of uncles? course have passed away because remember, my father was twenty four years older than my mother, so they were of course would be much. Older oh, now. That's right. I guess so. But so my both, both cousin. So both your uncle and your aunt have gone. Right. Past. But their kids. Um, I'm close, close to, to one, Greg, who lives in Istanbul, okay. who 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 followed his parents' um, business and became a hotelier and worked in hotels all around the world and and he lived abroad. He lived outside the United States all his life, and so did I. So mm -hmm. so we're really close, and we're named after the same uncle, Greg. We're both named after our uncle Greg, who never married, and he's and well, he's who, the oldest. He was right. He exactly. was the oldest because then it's his sister, and then your father. Right, exactly. Oh no, no, um, no my father no. was the oldest. Oh, your father was oldest. So then, Uncle Greg came second. Uh, actually, oh, was it daughter. Sorry, it's a little confusing. I'm sorry. We were named after Uncle Greg, who was a great uncle. Oh, a great uncle. Okay, so yeah, it was exactly. Your immediate exactly. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, a little, but right. it was kind of a complicated story. But so then I went to New York. Again, I mean, I went to this high school trip and decided, okay, I'll be, a, I'll be an actor. And my aunt and uncle said they'll pay for my tuition. So, but they only wanted to pay for my tuition at the University of Wisconsin in Eau Claire, where I lived. So um, I, of course, wanted to go to Juilliard. And I, and I, I wrote to all these schools. I wrote to the, Amer the American Academy of Dra Dramatic Art. I wrote to schools in London. And I was getting all these pamphlets in the mail. And my father would open, you know, would see them in the mail, and he'd laugh, you know. You know but, and think, well, you're not going to London for, for college. You're not going to Juilliard, you know. So you're going to the University of Wisconsin, Eau Claire. <laughs> Did your brother and sister go? Yeah, they went there as well. Okay. And we also we all got music scholarships because we could all sing. And did they get, did they get degrees in that as well in music? No, they didn't. They ended up. Um, um, my sister ended up going into social work. And your brother. And my brother ended up leaving college and, and doing my father's business. Okay. Basically. And you got a degree in. Well, actually, I'm a I'm called what was called a non-traditional student. <laughs> So I started at the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire as a music major because I had the tuition from my aunt and uncle, and I also got a scholarship from, mm -hmm. from a singing scholarship. And the first year of college, I was cast in a director's musical. 
I was cast as Jesus in Godspell. So I guess it went to my head. I thought, oh, I can do this. I mean, I've got Jesus. <laughs> it's my first part. I'm good to go. I, I got Jesus. I can sure be a star on Broadway. So I, I decided I'm changing my major to theater. And the closest I could move to was Minneapolis, because Minneapolis had a really good theater department, actually. They have the Guthrie Theater there, which is a, uh, and Chanhassen Musical Theater, which is in, those, in the Midwest, it's really actually well known. Mm -hmm. So I told my aunt and uncle and my parents I'm moving to Minneapolis. And of course, they were completely against that. They were against me even moving to Minneapolis, let alone New York. But they finally agreed I went to Minneapolis. And, and then I was. It. They paid. Yeah, and I, I switched to theater. And then uh, I was in a musical out west called the Medora Musical, which is really, you should look it up online. It's a, still a big deal, actually. And I got cast in this musical, and the lighting girl fell in love with me, J.J. Pyle. <laughs> I mean, we, we fell in love with each other. Okay. We moved in together. <clears throat> and then it was during those years in, as a theater major in Minneapolis that I realized, well, I can't marry, you know, I really can't get married. I mean, this is not going to work. I have to, I have to get out of this this situation somehow. Why? You didn't like, like uh... No, because of my sexuality. Okay, I couldn't, okay. I couldn't well, exactly she didn't be. Know. She didn't know? No, no, not in those days. You, I got you, I hear you. Right, I this is like okay, the old okay. days. Okay, okay, okay. So, so how long did you date her? Uh, we lived together for, I think, two years. Yes. And then I was a senior at the University of Minnesota in, as a theater major. Mm -hmm. And I had appeared in, uh, I as, you know, small, really small parts at the Guthrie Theater. And I really had a kind of good thing going. I, I got um, professional singing jobs from the time I was 19, singing in a small dinner theater there and stuff. Mm. But I had this hanging over me, like, what am I going to do about this relationship? You know, this was a different time. I so I went to a play, um, and at the intermission, I met, I saw this girl, Mary Jo, who I really was not even close to, and she was like, "Greg, I moved to Hawaii uh, for winter quarter because the University of Minnesota at that time was divided into three quarters, not two semesters. Okay. So let's take off winter quarter and come to Hawaii with me." And I was, well, she was know, hitting on you too. Yeah, I was like twenty-one years old. <laughs> I know. I was. I guess I was doing pretty well. But you sang and everything else. Everybody wanted to be with you, of course. I'm Thank sure. you. She's like, let's go to Hawaii. We really didn't, you know. And at the time, I went back to the play, and I remember the whole rest of the play. I thought, that's it. This is going to solve everything. I'm just going to move to Hawaii. And uh, I'd never really seen a warm ocean. I'd never really been anywhere. And and it was Wisconsin, It was Minnesota, Minneapolis in January. So I just decided, I, I, I called my parents and said, I'm moving to Hawaii and leaving college. Now, you, know, you know, when 20? you look at this, how crazy, you know, you Were look you back. 20? Were you 20? I was just probably, probably just turned 20, 21. Okay. So you did it? You left? Yeah, so I but, well, left what college. About, what about your girlfriend, first of all? Yeah, so I told um, JJ, you know, like, I came out to her, and then I decided to. And how did she respond? Told her I was how did she respond? Badly. Okay, okay. I just, <laughs> Very badly. You still remember that, okay. Yeah. And uh, I moved to Hawaii just like that. And that's why I'm in Japan today. You know, it's fascinating. I was um, always planning on going to New York eventually. But didn't go to New York. Yeah. You got sidetracked. Got Went sidetracked. to Hawaii. They call it a geographical. I did a geographical. <laughs> geographical, okay. So you went there and stayed there for how long? So I moved to Hawaii and... Um, 
I got a job, you know, I, I was just a kid. I think I probably had like $500 when I went. But you didn't finish college either. Not, not exactly, not okay. at the time. Not at the time, okay. So I still needed to finish college. I had music major and a theater major. And all I took was theater <laughs> classes. You know, I hadn't taken any of the important things you need to take. And uh, it's this Mary Jo, who, who I went to Hawaii with, She's like, it's okay, you know, we really had a good time. I mean, I really had a blast in my 20s. Really and she was like, let's just drive those pedicabs in Waikiki. They had these rickshaw did things, did did bicycle things. Right, 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 right. And we could make like 70, if you were lucky, 100 bucks a day driving those things. So I was just a kid and I would like, like wear really short shorts and it was kind of sexy probably okay, okay. in those days. Wait, how did she, mm. did she know about your sexuality? Um, yeah, it didn't matter. We didn't have a relationship. Oh, oh I thought you, okay. I thought yeah. she liked you. I thought she she had just, we were just friends. Okay, yeah. I hear you. Okay. So in Waikiki, um, <laughs> the, there were all the Japanese there. It was the 80s. Right. And so right the, the first bottom. Japanese I learned was Norimasenka. Could you ride right. my pedicab? And I was Norimasenka, Norimasenka, <laughs> Norimasenka. And then... There were the Japanese. I mean, they were all coming to Hawaii in the 80s. It was right pre-bubble. And um, I just fell in love with the Japanese. They were so wonderful. They, they would get in my pedicab. They would open their wallets, you know, with hundreds, <laughs> thousand dollars. How much was the ride? I never took advantage of them. But you just thought, my goodness. Yeah. And I grew up, you know, in a home with, as I said, with a lot of conflict. Mm -hmm. When my father drank, he was a violent drunk. So I grew up with that kind of a violent father. Mm -hmm. So always horrified, you know, that something would happen. You never knew what was going to happen, right? Yeah. And the Japanese uh, character suits my character. They were very complacent. They don't like arguments. Mm -hmm. They don't like, you know, and I, I sensed um, my people. <laughs> I mean, no, I <laughs> kind mean, of, you no, know what I mean? I understand, yeah, they're, they're conflict averse. Yeah. So I, that was your whole life. So yes. I just fell in love with the Japanese. I mean, as a, in my early, early 20s, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But at that time, there were the Vietnamese boat people were, were coming out of Vietnam. Was it? Okay. it was, <laughs> show my age. Okay. But um, so I did work for uh, refugee resettlement for three years during that time in Hawaii, which really exposed me to Asia. And there were a lot of a volunteers there who had lived in Asia like you and me, Lance. Mm -hmm. And then they moved back to Hawaii right. and they wanted to do something. So they volunteered at this refugee resettlement company. And then I met a lot of older people who had lived in Asia all their life. And they were like, Greg, you should go to Asia. Asia is the place to be, blah, blah, blah. So um, when I was 26, uh, a Japanese guy named Kimikazu Kitayama came up to me on the street in Waikiki and said, um, I'm looking for a job. Could you help me get a job? It was just a chance meeting. I also met Tony Bennett. I mean, I have a lot of funny stories. Like in Waikiki, Tony Bennett came up to me and was like, and asked me, you know, he was looking for some magazine. It was Sunday morning. You know, I really had a lot of interesting experiences now. When in those days, you knew who he was when you saw him. Yeah, and okay. and um, in those days, he didn't have a cell phone to take that's a right. selfie, right? That's right, you that's know? right. But anyway, Kimikazu asked me, you know, Greg, I really need a job. You know, um, I'm a student here, and I I don't have a visa to work. Could you help me? And I helped him get um, a job. 
this is many years ago, so it's okay. So, and then he asked me, would you please come to Japan and stay with me in the summer for three months? And this was, I was 26 years old, and I still believed I was going to move back to New York and I was going to finish school and, and, Go on Broadway, and yeah. be the Broadway star, which you... <laughs> it is possible, you know. Yeah, you know. could have happened. So, and, and me being young and carefree, I thought, why not? I should go to Japan. I love the Japanese people. So I moved here when I was 26 years old, many, many years ago. And for the first three years, I lived Tokyo? here three years in Tokyo. I worked at the opening of Tokyo Disneyland. I was the first cast. And then I worked, um, of course, teaching English like everybody did. And before I came to Japan, I went to visit a guy at the University of Hawaii. I told him, I'm a singer. Where could you work? This is interesting because it's kind of related to you. Mm -hmm. like, Where could you work in Japan as a singer? I asked him. And he gave me a list of five places. He's like, you can work. Try the Sano Hotel. Right, right. <laughs> try the Tokyo American Club. Right, right. And I try two others. Forgive me, I forgot. Right. Okura, maybe? Okura, Okura may, maybe. maybe. Yeah, you probably Okura, Okura Hotel. You got it right. Exactly. You'd say Okura. You'd say Okura. And then, anyway, and you the, might say Nuotani. Nuotani. And the yeah. last place was if, if, if you can't get a job singing anywhere, try this place called Romi's Roppongi. It's a, it's a hostess club in Roppongi. Try that. So I, came to, so I came to Japan with Kimikazu, and, uh, and I, I, I went to the Sano Hotel. <laughs> you Which know, was Nakasaka I, then. I was a kid, yeah. But they, they did have, they had an African-American guy singing there, and they introduced me to him. <laughs> he was like, you know, are you kidding this me? This is my job. You're going to take my job, some 26-year-old kid from Wisconsin? That's not gonna happen. That's not gonna happen. So I, I really was aggressive. I went to the American Club, you know, and I think I met at the president at the time. Who knows what right. he was? And they were like, "Well, no, you know, we don't have a regular Bob singer." Collins, right. Bob Collins, you know, we yeah. don't have a regular singer, and uh, and uh, everybody said no. So I went. Finally, I called this Romy's, and I and I said, "Could I come down and audition?" She's like, "Yeah, come down," and I auditioned, and I sang. I had a guitar. <laughs> I so sang a couple guitar, songs. Okay. Yeah, I sang a couple songs, and she was like, "You're hired tomorrow night. From tomorrow night, you can you can start working." So I worked for three years that whole time. So she sponsored you and everything. Yeah, during that time, working as a singer that in a lucky. nightclub. That is so good. It's a long story. I mean, I yeah, kind but of, I mean, kind but of most a, people come here. You a know, long and winding you know road, right? But you know how difficult it is. Even in those days, yeah, to be able to come here and get a job and someone to sponsor you. So nice. And I guess, but I look back now and I think, you know, I spent my 20s, you know, 21 to 26 in Hawaii just having a fun. <laughs> I mean, and I know a lot of Japanese, I've told that who kind of envy me and they're like, wow, I spent my 20s at a company or something, you know. They right away go into this really structured company. Whereas I, I just had wonderful memories of my time in, in, in Hawaii and also my first three years in Japan I mean that was the that was really the glory days of Japan. I mean, right. the, the working in a nightclub, working at Tokyo Disneyland. I mean, I really Did had a wonderful leave? Did time. Did you ever leave? Have you ever left? Oh yeah, so of course. So um, I stayed Japan. three years and I left Japan. Yeah. To go and, where? Um, in those days, <laughs> Grandpa Greg here. <laughs> in those days, in those back days. in the good old days. Um, 
you did the backpacking in Asia. So a lot of people, they came to Japan, the foreigners would go around and they'd backpack all over Asia. And then they'd run out of money. And then after they ran out of money, they'd come to Japan because anybody could, they thought could make money in Japan in those days. So I met a lot of those backpackers. So I felt I never got to do the backpacking thing. So I left Japan and I did the backpacking around Asia. Um, went to all those countries with the backpack, with the money in the money belt, and how stayed. Long, how long did you do that? I did it for six months. You didn't like that? Oh, I had a wonderful time. Well, you I, enjoyed it? I ran out of money. Oh, great memory. Um, amazing. I mean, I look back now, amazing. Okay. The things I did were <laughs> amazing. Where did you go? Name the places you went. Uh, I started months. out in Singapore, and you know, just Singapore, Malaysia. Um, I spent two months in Thailand, you know, doing the Thailand thing. Okay. Right. Went to Myanmar, uh, Hong Kong, China, and then I ran on money and went back to. So I thought I got to go back to Hawaii. Right. I went back to Hawaii. Immediately got a job working in a, a very high-end men's clothing store at the Hyatt Regency. Okay. And I wasn't there like a week and this multimillionaire came in the store and a Japanese of course and he and I helped him because I could speak Japanese a little because I lived there three years and he was like would you please be my interpreter in Hawaii. So it's you know I'm like sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I I was an interpreter for Mr. Ishikawa, who was one of the big bubble real estate guys who who had bought up all kinds, of, just, I mean, incredible. So I really had a really good time with Mr. Ishikawa, as you can imagine, now, being his interpreter. Hmm. Well, I about, I only, I just gone back to Hawaii, really, I met him right away. And then he, he had bought a lot of condos in Hawaii at the time. They changed the law afterwards that you couldn't buy a you know, three or four or five condos in the same building. And then he, he heard me sing. Again, it's all, you know, it's such a blessing being a singer. He's like, you should be a famous singer in Japan. I mean, I'm going to bring you back to Japan and make you, you know, you should be a famous Enka singer because I could sing a couple of Japanese songs, really. So I went back to Japan um, uh, with him and um, they tried to... Uh, What's the word? I mean, I, I got a manager. I understand. They tried to make you very yeah. interesting. Yes. Yeah. And um, Jiro, there was, a, Jiro, there was right. an African-American he who came in he made it yeah, he as did. an interesting. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he, was a, he really had a, a big break. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But uh, um, I came back to Japan, and they had me tour around the hot springs with a bunch of older Enka singers. So it really was not a good situation. And I realized, no, 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 this is not a good situation. So I decided to go back to the University of Hawaii because I, uh, uh, so I really only stayed in Japan that time around six months doing the Inca hot spring tour. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. That's a crazy story too. I mean, I would be in a room like with six uh, elderly Inca singers. And they ever, after our performance, they would drink heavily okay. and snore. And it fall asleep, yeah. Oh, it was awful. So I went back to the University of Hawaii and majored in Japanese, finally. And there I, I had incredible teachers. We had the Kabukiza come. We had Donald Ritchie, who was a film 
expert, all, all of the real Japanophiles um, came and taught at the University of Hawaii because they all wanted to be in Hawaii, I think, and take that, the, the University of Hawaii offered them a really good package. So after leaving the University of Hawaii, I decided, I, again, I always wanted to move to New York, but the it was just the temptation was too strong to come back to Japan. So I moved back to Japan in 1988 and been here ever since. I started, uh, I started uh, voiceover industry and being a master of ceremonies. Yeah, what are, that's right, let me get it. What are so you doing I'm just now? Like, what are you doing now? What, what, what well, occupies your days? Well, um, now I, I have three uh, occupations, okay. basically. You know, right. my, my, I'm still a, I'm a singer, right? Um, I was asked after I came back to Japan to translate a genre, a whole genre of Japanese music, which is called Japanese doyo music. This music um, was created in the 1920s, the 1930s, actually. And it's a, it's, it was a genre of music purposely created to be used in music education in, okay. in the Japanese schools. Because mm -hmm. they didn't have songs in Japan. In, they didn't have the really good songs to be used in music education in Japan at the time. So they purposely created this genre called doyo mm -hmm. music. And uh, someone asked me many, many years ago, would I translate 10 of the songs? Because I also wrote songs, and I wrote, in Japan you can do anything, so I put songwriter on my business card, which I was. But I never pursued it in L.A. or in America. You really have to live in L.A. or Nashville, or uh, maybe New York to do songwriting. So I translated 10 of these traditional Japanese doyo songs. This was in the early 90s when I came back. And the, the, the producer who asked me to translate them was just blown away. It's like, he, actually, after I translated them and sang 10 of them, recorded 10 of them, he said, you just found your, the reason you moved to Japan. This is, your, this is the reason you're here. And I was, at the time, I thought it was just a gig. But it really turned out to be, that turned out to be very true. So now I've translated and written English words for a hundred of those songs. They're on iTunes. You've done 100? Yeah, at least over a hundred. And then they're amazing songs, and they're really, they're beautiful in English. They're have just you, as beautiful in English. Are you singing English. all of these songs? Yeah, so in the 90s... <laughs> no, I'm saying this is all, yeah. the over 100 songs that you have translated. Yes. On iTunes, it's your voice? Yes, My singing goodness. the songs, yeah. They're not all on iTunes, but there's probably at least 35, Can 40. you find it on YouTube mm -hmm. as well? I'm sure you can. Yeah, YouTube okay. and iTunes, yeah. Wow. So, and I did that really a lot in the 90s. I was really focused, as they call it, a doyo singer. Uh, in those days, we had Tokyo and New York were sister cities. They're not anymore. But so we even had a doyo concert at Lincoln Center in New York. So that was, and they asked me, of course, because I was the only guy who could speak English. So that was my like New York debut. I got to perform my music at Lincoln Center, which was just mind-blowing and, and really kind of a full circle because I'd always wanted to that's do the right, New York that's thing. Right, that's right. And I finally went there from Japan and that's right. performed. And and yeah, said, no, and it was really cool. We had a sold-out um, concert because at the, at, at, in the 90s, there were about 50,000 Japanese living in New York. Mm -hmm. So they all wanted to come to this concert and hear this 
traditional Japanese music. So I, so I really feel in the future now, I mean, that's, I want to focus more on bringing these, in, these Japanese doyo songs there's a lot more. How many songs in English. Oh, there's probably 200. I've, so only, just, I've so done about almost, half. So you're, okay, so you're almost there. But they should be used in education abroad. They should oh, be used in the United States, well, Australia, interest, England. Such a big interest in Japanese now. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. So I, I, I do that as a singer, and then okay. my... Uh, I, Job I'm number a, two? Number two is my is I'm a voice actor. I've always been a voice actor in Japan right. since I came back that time. Um, when I was in Hawaii, going to the University of Hawaii, a Japanese friend of mine was like, you're so talkative, you should be on the radio. <laughs> so um, just, just come to the radio station. So I came to the radio station, and I'm, I was just like this interview. I'm like, what, what am I going to do? His, his name was Gary Udagawa. And Gary was like, just sit there. And then when the red light comes on, just talk. So I was on Gary's program and the red light came on. I'm like, hi, Gary, how you doing? <laughs> and so for two years, I worked as a DJ on a Japanese radio station when I was in Hawaii. So when I came back to Japan, um, I... I auditioned actually for different radio stations. It was really hard to get a job at the time at, in a, in a, on a big radio station like Tokyo FM or FM Yokohama. That's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And finally I was in a, I was, I found a contest and then I won the contest. So I was able to get a radio program. And then from the radio program, I learned about the voiceover industry. So I've been a voice actor in Tokyo for you know, many, many, many years. For what kind of, for, for what kind of things? Like what? Well, the biggest thing that voice actors in Japan do is we do the, the promotional materials for Japanese companies to be used abroad, like Sony, Panasonic, um, these major Japanese and companies. That's big, isn't it? Yeah, they make their, right. a lot of their advertising is, we make it here, and then it's to be used abroad. And then, of course, we make educational um, materials as well. And sometimes TV commercials. I've done like my most famous was "You Got Mail." I'm the I was the "You Got Mail" guy in Japan. Okay. The ANA I did ANA. Now I'm actually on Taiwan Air Airlines because the president of a new airline called Starlux Airlines heard my voice on ANA. And the I, the 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 voiceover industry is um, you know it's been a consistent. Um, um, job for me, which has been really great. I don't really think that's going to stop. No, well, that's well, great. Yeah. Yes, it may with AI. Yeah, with AI. Because yeah. AI is coming in yeah. and it will translate automatically. That's right. You have about a decade, maybe. Uh, I maybe left. And also, that's to be right. really honest, the voiceover industry in Japan is is really flooded. With uh, personally, it's just my opinion. We have so many voice actors now. Whereas originally, when I started voice acting, voice actors were voice actors. <laughs> we were like people like, that were entertainers or actors or you know, voice you people. Know, you know Jerry. Uh -huh, yeah, Jerry. Jerry. Yeah, yes. I watched hers. Right. I heard yes. her interview. She's fantastic. She's she great. She does a lot of voice acting. Hear her everywhere. She does, she's really all the yeah. trains from Narita into Tokyo and everywhere. She's really good. She is awesome. I've known yeah. her for a long time. But yeah, so now we have so many voice actors because um, everybody started, well, what happened was the agents the model agencies realized, well, wait a minute, we can get into voice acting too. So they literally advertised for all their models, we'll make your voice samples, we'll make your, we'll make your, um, 
your tape, you know, your recordings. And so it really flooded the industry. So like, for example, if you're up for a American male voice, like which is my voice, there might be like 40 people they're choosing from. So it's, it's really like a lottery to get the job. But I speak Japanese, so I get a lot of these kind of Japanese speaking jobs mm -hmm. but my and then my other main job is master job. of ceremonies okay and I started being a master of ceremonies because a, a friend of mine this is a long story but it's probably too long to tell this story but she asked me to be her master of ceremonies when Bill Clinton's brother Roger Clinton came to Japan okay. and she's a funny story she too was like well, a lot of us live in Japan we have these crazy stories and when Bill Clinton was president of the United States, she was doing really, really well. And she wanted, she had a big party at the Akasaka Prince. And she, she told me and a friend of mine, I want to bring um, Bill Clinton and Greg, you know, could you arrange that? <laughs> we're like, he's the president of the United still, States. Is she still here? She's still here, yeah. Okay. And she's like, I no, I know he's the president. Just everybody's got a price what's his price so so um we convinced her that we couldn't bring um bill clinton to the japan while he was the city president of the united states so this is a really funny story so she really she said well does he have any family members and bill only has a half brother roger who is roger's a great guy he and so so she decided to bring roger and they asked me what I uh, translate for Roger while he was here. So I went shopping actually for Hillary. We went, we went to the Oriental Bazaar. We bought her the, the most expensive plate. <laughs> I wonder if she still has it. I watched you mean, it. With, you mean when you were with Roger? With, you, Ro with he, Roger, you, yeah. He, went, he wanted to buy, buy her some gifts. Yeah, he bought gifts for everybody. And, uh, and actually, we had a really wonderful time. He's a blast. Yeah, there's no, there's no fun, more fun person than Roger. We had the most wonderful time. But then I, that was really the first time I did a major MC job. She asked me to MC this party with Roger. And then um, Debbie Sicarno, who is a very well-known, she was the, the wife of, of Sicarno, the leader of Indonesia. She's a big celebrity in Japan. She actually came to that party. And then she asked me to MC her events. And that was like 21 years ago. Mm. And at the time, she was rich. Even today, she's she's, doing, she's, doing she's, she's huge. She start, I started doing her events, and then I became a, a a master of ceremonies. And then about twelve years ago, a friend of mine said to me, "Greg, you're 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 a master of ceremonies. You speak Japanese. Why aren't you doing the wedding reception master of ceremonies?" And I and I in, in the United States and Japan or other countries it's quite different. In America, where we're from, you know, just a friend does like a very casual MC. But in Japan, the wedding reception is extremely structured. It's a very serious event of the the two families. Really, the the first and the only event that the two families do together. And so it's very it's taken very, very seriously. So they need a master of ceremonies to to introduce like the president of the companies and it's a long story. But anyway, I started doing that job twelve years ago and now it's my main thing. That's the main thing you do. I love it. It's it's That's just beautiful. I love doing it. You know, you meet the first of all they choose you. Um, 
if the couple chooses you as an MC, and then you meet them and you plan their their reception. I love people. Um, they're both, you know, the couples are young and in love, and it's a really joyous thing. It's not a, like a light job. I mean, you can't make a mistake. That's true. Um, some people don't like to do it at all because it's highly stressful. You're working very high-end hotels. Um, there's there's a lot of money being spent. And a lot of people there in, in really high positions too. Yeah, so and you have to know. introduce their boss. That's right. You have to, I've introduced the, you know major people have come, you know, and then you cannot make any tiny. And that's a very unfortunate thing about Japan. Uh, you know, it's not all paradise here. Right. Is that you know, the, the Japan doesn't really, as a society as a whole, they don't really allow. They're not good with mistakes, you know. And I think, and that's probably why Japanese people have a difficult time learning English, because they're so horrified that they're going to make a mistake, mm -hmm. and like, um, and in the wedding industry as 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 well, you know, you can't make a mistake. Mm -hmm. So that's, but. I've learned how to deal with that and not make mistakes. <laughs> what do you see for your future here? My future, uh, I hope I, I, I could continue doing this wedding reception MC because I love, you know, who said, you know, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Isn't and, that the truth? and I really feel like that, you know, I love that job. It's just wonderful. And I really love doing that and I love singing the doyo and especially now we're really going through a hard time in the world right now you know the pandemic has just has just really exhausted everyone we have this conflict right now in ukraine and russia which is just adding more stress um, there's so much stress in the world so i really would like to focus on this music this traditional japanese doyo music and and because maybe that's all we can do you know you can't change the world but you can do what you were given, a gift, right? You can give your gift to others. So I feel maybe that Japanese doyo is a gift that I have that I can give to the world. So I hope to focus on that. That is beautiful. Greg, wow. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Oh, I, it's been so great. It's been thank a blast you. going back through the years. Remembering it has been, isn't it nice? Yeah. Isn't I hope nice? someone got something yeah, out of it. Yeah. I just shake him one hand. Thank, thank you so you. much, Greg. Your buddy. Thank you. I want to thank all of you for watching this podcast. Make sure you press like, subscribe, and please remember, it's all on loan. Continue to reach for the stars, and you're too blessed to be stressed. Thank you for watching this episode. Be sure to subscribe, and someday, maybe I'll have you on.